You're listening to Weld Found, a podcast about belonging in an age of social isolation and disconnection. We're asking the question, what does it mean to truly be a part of your community? I'm your host, Tim Coons. This show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. Head to weldcommunityfoundation.org for more information on how you can help and strengthen the bonds of our community. This is episode four of our fourth season. We begin with a story from Southern Weld County. And then after that, we get to hear from my neighbor to the right. If you've been listening to this season, you know that I've been talking with my neighbors the past few months and paying attention to what both divides us as a country and county and unites us as well. More on that later in the show. Before we begin, I want to share some special news. Weld Found is partnering with the NoCo Optimist for a special podcast series coming up. The first episode will be releasing end of October, just in time for our elections in Greeley. But the rest of the series is slated for January, something to look forward to in the new year. The series is titled, When Water Flows Uphill. And it's gonna be following the artist Wes Bruce as he creates this large scale installation in the new downtown library. The installation is inspired by the Poudre River. Then alongside this, we'll also be presenting stories of Weld County's fascinating and oftentimes torrid history with water. Friends, this is going to be a compelling podcast. We're excited to share it with you. With that, let's begin today's show. Welcome, my friends, to Weld Found. I'd like you to meet two incredible people today, Danny and Crystal. Danny lives in a neighborhood called The Glens in Decono, Colorado. When I met him, he was sporting an old school Bronco cap he got from one of his kids for his 74th birthday. I met him at the Daylight Donuts, which is the place to be in Decono. This is, this is the place to be. Yes. A small community of 6,000 some people in Southern Weld County. The Glens neighborhood, where Danny lives, makes up about 2,000 of those 6,000 residents. Danny and I met near the front door as his wheelchair has a hard time getting past the tables to the back of the shop. You'll hear some noise in a moment for this part of our interview of people going in and out. And then Crystal joined us. Crystal lives in Longmont, but works in Decono for Habitat for Humanity. With a host of other team members, she and Habitat have partnered with the people of the Glens and formed a coalition. It's resident-led and is all about improving the quality of life for everyone in the neighborhood. The name of this coalition is Pride of the Glens, a name so fitting for today's story that I titled our episode after it as well. Danny and Crystal, the two of them, really represent the coalition in Decono at a smaller scale. The Pride of the Glens started in 2017 and has these awesome, lofty goals of building community through events, beautification, and connections. Excellent ideas, but it's when you get some flesh and blood on them, real people behind the ideas, then things begin to become a reality worth talking about, right? As Crystal came into the shop, she handed Danny a jar of peppered peach jam. Danny jokingly scoffed at the idea of it being too spicy for him. You'll hear the owner of the Daylight Donuts chime in too as the coffee drips. It's really hot. Oh, oh boy. It's really, well, it's hotter than anything I've made before. 
before. Okay. But it's peach and it's got a full habanero in it. Not that, I, the batch is a little bit. Nice. But it's, I'm a fire extinguisher. <laughs> but, but really, like, I mean, I know you've got ghost peppers and stuff. Okay, so this is nothing for you. <laughs> I you can deal with gospel peppers. I have, you know, and I. I have. The only thing I have found that really lit me up was a Trinidad scorpion pepper. Okay. That, yes. that, that name will scare the crap out of a lot of people. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, but man, that lit me up. Throughout the day, I learned that food must be a love language in the Glens. And with Crystal, too, she also dropped cookies off for someone who had made her some zucchini bread. Danny moved to the Glens several years ago and immediately got involved, first through softball and some fundraising to start a new club in Dakono. Okay. And I was a big part of the fundraising group for that, you know, because most of our money came from bingo when bingo first started. And me and my wife, we got our bingo license and everything. And we ran it for the organization. And, you know, I never missed a Tuesday night of bingo. Yeah. Never missed. I called. I worked the floor, whatever they need. At that time, I was walking. Okay. You know, I haven't always been in a wheelchair. I've been talking to Grant really soon. But there's so many girls that that was... My family has kept us such an inspiration to their families. Yeah. And these girls, you know... It was quickly evident to me, these two are what you could call community weavers. They get involved. They find out what an area needs, what love languages are spoken. And I knew I could just tell... I'd learn a lot from them today. We moved on from the donut shop to start digging into the stories that brought me all the way to Dakono that morning. Danny and Crystal were taking me on a tour, showing me some of the things that they've been working on and sharing with me the pride they have in this place where they live. We began the tour with a challenge Danny had been faced with, an intersection of highway that is a major point in Dakono. While in his wheelchair, he found it a harrowing experience crossing this main intersection, getting from his neighborhood in the glens and across to where the convenience store and other amenities are on the other side of what is a highway. They wanted me to experience this challenge. And we still have kids crossing from school, going from here over to school and coming back across the highway. And yeah. Yeah. You have to make sure that you have eye contact with the drivers mm. all the way around. Yeah. Do you guys yeah. want to do it? Yeah, yeah, let's uh, let's go over. Yeah, I, the intersection this we're is talking the about? Intersection, yep. Good night. This is the intersection. It's a very busy intersection. Well, it's gotten busier over the years. Yeah, it doesn't look set up uh, for pedestrian crossing at all. But <laughs> I, don't, well. I don't see any crosswalk. Okay, there it is, over this, there. Yeah, this is the adventure that you, you signed up for. <laughs> we walked over to the intersection from the donut shop, and friends, I'll, I'll be honest, it was a really grim and dangerous setup for people crossing. Danny and Crystal talked about how CDOT has fixed the timing on the lights now and helped with the crosswalk. Uh, one crosswalk button was so overgrown with weeds, 
that I had a hard time reaching it. It would be impossible for Danny, since it lacked any sort of handicapped compliance. But really, it'd be dangerous for anyone crossing. Okay, yeah. And, and, and kids are crossing this. Kids are crossing. Constantly, okay. Now over there, on that side, there's a sidewalk right there. It, okay. It, it, it ends right there. It ends right there. I, I see. Okay, now I think that... The school's on the other side of the house. Yeah, the school that the kids the are over here center. are doing over there. The senior center. The 7-Eleven. I mean, there's there's a ton of amenities that serve this whole area that is on the other there, side of the house. farmer's market over there. <laughs> you know, I mean, and, and these things, it's not like anybody's fault. Right. You know, it's no, just it's the way it is. And, you yeah. know, and it... it Changing things really takes some deliberate oh, energy, and yeah. and there's processes that are, you know, you have to navigate them, and learn them, and yeah. it's not. You know. It was while coming back from walking through the intersection that Crystal brought up this good point. This isn't really anyone's fault. It's not done by malicious intent or negligence on the part of the Colorado Department of Transportation or the City of Decono. There isn't anyone in an office plotting against the good of the people of Decono. This is just a difficult, systemic problem to navigate. Because once you get a bunch of people on a project, things are going to fall through the cracks. Someone's previous checklist might not line up with the reality of what's there now. Repairs are going to go unnoticed. And it takes someone like Danny to do the hard work of speaking up, challenging the system to make change. And you'd think it'd be easy getting something like a dangerous intersection fixed, but it's not. It takes effort and time and connections, and Danny was willing to do it. The first thing that he did was to go to city council, and he went three times. The city council said, well, that's not our jurisdiction. You have to handle this with uh, the state. And so he went to CDOT, and CDOT would say, well, great, we just need this and this and this from city council. So <laughs> I love this. Danny decided to run for city council. How did I decide to run? I had a lot of people that, that especially in the Glens. I, I know a lot of people here in the Glens. I know a lot. I mean... Danny's out and about. I'm out and about in my wheelchair and stuff. And so. He doesn't meet any strangers. I don't know no strangers. I, you know, my wife said, I can't take you anywhere. <laughs> you know? I mean, she's off gallivanting around the store or something, shopping and stuff, and I'm out talking. And I, I would guess that your years uh, doing baseball and doing softball, uh, softball for, for folks um, has gotten you tied into the, to the Glens, to Decono, to kind of everywhere, huh? Right. Everybody says if you want to make a difference in this evening, run for a city council. Get, get on board. And he won. He got elected and has been a voice now on Decono's city council representing the Glens for almost a couple years now. It helped get the ball rolling, but there was also support found by way of Habitat for Humanity, helping with the crosswalk as well. So we just didn't really know what the first step was. We thought it was going to the city. It's yeah. kind of beyond their jurisdiction for whatever reason, you know, but it was, it really was just, it ended up being a phone call. Yeah. A phone call was placed through some folks at Habitat to the right folks in Weld County CDOT. And in January of 2020, a crew of people came out to do a walkthrough of the intersection that we had just experienced. When we met with everybody a year ago, January, I mean, they were really amazed and really just 
it's pretty unbelievable, you know. Yeah, CDOT was like, oh, okay, we need to do something, yeah. And really grateful, too, to Danny for raising the issue. And, you know, I remember Katrina was saying, you know, she gets complaint calls all day long or, like, you know, after, the, after a tragedy, unfortunately, often, like, how could this be? And she was so grateful that Danny, you know, was speaking up and you know but in partnership with other residents with the city with Dakono with Frederick like this is you know it's a positive thing it's like you know encouraging so starting next spring they're going to work on this center they're going to get to make it ADA compliant you know and not just this one but all no, the all of them up along the I-25 corridor awesome <laughs> they're going to start they're going to start somewhere, and I'm thinking that they're going to start here and go west. Yeah. So, from from beginning with this story of, of you are trying to get across this intersection, it is crazy busy. Um, it, it doesn't feel like it has enough time. That w when it rains, it gets all muddy, um, so that you can get across to the different places where you right. want to go. And we'll try that. And. Uh, and then, fast forward, you've got CDOT involved, and they are going to be doing a major project where they're right. redoing these areas. Right. How does that feel? Well, it feels pretty good. I mean, something I got accomplished. You know, somewhere down the road, and it wasn't all me. You know, I, you know, I don't want to take credit for all of it. I'll take credit for some of it, but, you know, Habitat worked hard on it. You know, Rachel worked hard on it. You know, my cohort, Kathy Whitman, she, she worked hard on it. That was her and I, that's what we wanted to see. Okay. One of the things of, about this story in particular is just asking that question of, of how do you make change happen? Um, how do you make change happen for something that is needed? Um, big, dangerous intersection that, that kids cross, that Danny crosses, that the people are uh, Other people, I mean, moving. a lot of people cross. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know? and 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 uh, yeah. How do you how do you get this change to be more safe so that our tax dollars are addressing things that need to be addressed? Yeah. And it's and it's this kind of really interesting story of, of you're asking the question of like, hey, this needs change, and you're not getting any kind of response, and so you have to be the change. Yeah. After this initial walking of the intersection. Danny and Crystal and I went by a mural depicting the three women Dakono is named after. Because the city's name, it's an amalgamation of the names of Daisy Baum, Cora Van Voorhees, and Nora Brooks. Daisy, Cora, and Nora, da ko no. These three women lived in the region in 1901 as it was getting incorporated. Daisy was a wife of a local coal mining operator. Cora and Nora were her two close friends. The piece was painted by Bart McCune, a great local artist who'd also done other work in Dakono I saw throughout the day. While we were stopped looking at this mural, I asked Crystal and Danny, what does it mean to them to belong to community? Years ago, right when I started this role as the neighborhood revitalization manager, I kind of posed that question to the coalition and um, they came up with a, their vision and, um, and that, that statement was that, you know, we're proud to live in a quiet, friendly neighborhood where all of our dreams can come true. And I think all aspects of that phrase, I see true all the time. 
working with Danny, working with the residents, um, working with our homeowners with when we do repairs, bringing in volunteers. People are very proud to live here. This is an amazing place. It's an amazing neighborhood. And, uh, and it's quiet and it's very, very friendly. And, you know, of course, you know, we all, we all want to be able to pursue our dreams and make things happen. And right. so that's, that's really what, what I hear and what I see, you know, I don't live in this community, but it's really dear to me and I'm proud to work here. Um, and yeah, proud to be a part of it and help, help make some of those things come to be. You know, myself, I mean, the sense of community is doing what other people can, can't do, and I do it to help others. I don't do it for myself. I don't want no rewards or anything, but I, I do everything I do is to help other people. I can do what I can do, you know. I can't get in and get really hands-on a lot of stuff, but I can find somebody to do it for you, you know. And that's about what I do, you know. And I, I didn't know anybody when I moved out here. So I can't say that now, you know. I know a lot of wonderful people, and I'm really thankful. It really is. It's pretty beautiful, you know. I mean, everyone has. Thing, everyone's you know? got gifts, and you know, you pull them together, and you can do some pretty incredible things. When I was a sophomore in high school, my English teacher, Mrs. Hip gave us an example of using proper rules for English, the right usage of grammar that has always stayed with me. She read us a piece that someone a few years older in her class had written. It was from a student named Landon. I had played football with Landon, or rather, being younger than him, Landon wiped the floor with me when I was a freshman playing football. But he'd written this short piece in Mrs. Hip's class about a girl he was close to that had passed away. Mrs. Hip had read the piece to us as Landon had written it, with little use of periods, run-on sentences, mixed-up pronouns. She asked us whether we thought what Landon wrote was any good. And we all said, no, it sounded quite childish. He really needed to work on his writing. Then she said, well, Landon and I worked together and just cleaned up the grammar. We put in periods where they needed to go and such. Let me read it for you all again. She read the piece again, and the room was dead silent. It was an incredible work, a heartbreaking, honest account of loss. A couple kids got teary. I seem to remember Mrs. Hip getting teary too. She finished reading and looked up. She told us she hadn't changed the heart of Landon's writing at all. Really, she hadn't messed with any of the words. She just adjusted the rules so we could better hear what had been there all along. Now, the main point she was trying to get across, of course, was we need to learn about our correct grammar to best express ourselves, etc. But I was reminded of this story when I see how an organization like Habitat pairs with neighborhoods and begins lifting voices in the ways so that others can best hear them. 
There's a longing and a hope and a pride, strong in the people of the glens in Dakono. Then a coalition starts between Habitat for Humanity in this neighborhood. The power comes from when Habitat almost acts as a translator and a connector to what has perhaps previously fallen on deaf or judgmental ears when it comes to the communities around the glens. The tour continued, so I hopped in the car with Crystal and Danny followed by Van. You can sometimes hear him on the speakerphone he called in on. We drove through the glens and ended the tour at a city park property called The Berm. On the way to the car, Crystal talked about the way Habitat approaches coalitions, a process guided by ABCD, Asset-Based Community Development. I thought it was fascinating. To working in community. Um, a, lot of, a lot of community work or like human services work over the years, and I am not an expert, but a lot of it tends to be deficit-based. What is the problem? And, and oftentimes it's somebody from the outside looking in saying, this is your problem, this is what you need. Yeah. Um, and or, it's or not we'll, authentic. Or we'll fix the, the, the light and the intersection way over here on 25. But yeah. <laughs> right, but yeah. That, that, there's, there's a disconnect there. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, I, what we're learning and what, what we know to be true is like, start at the heart, you know, and then that's the people and, you know, what, what do they know? What are they, what's their wisdom? What, what drives them? What, where's the passion? And start there and, and then build from there, build your sense of like, who knows who, you know, where do we go on a Saturday afternoon? You know, what, what are the needs? Have you talked to so-and-so lately? Like, I mean, it's, you got to start at the heart of that. And then, and then it's really place-based. And, and that's kind of the, the approach. We work with the, it's called the Quality of Life Framework um, that was developed by Habitat International over time that uh, kind of sees a holistic perspective of a community. All the, the elements of a community, transportation, education, economic opportunities, all those things. Um, but really the heart of it that where any, any change, if it's going to be authentic and sustainable and the right kind of change. It has to start at the heart of, of the community. I hopped in the car with Crystal. She continued to give some great insights on community as we toured the glens. Habitat did a kind of a physical survey in 2015, right, when we were considering adopting the Neighborhood of Revitalization Program just to get a, a sense of what the needs were out here, the physical housing needs. And they um, they did a walking like survey of all the just kind of the from the curb and identified about 45% of the homes had some kind of a need for like you know minor repair and about 25% had a major need just visible from the curb. Okay. Um, and so we really feel like there's a need. You know we have the ability to respond to that and. The more that folks come together, the stronger the, the community is. And Kathy Whitman is also a huge leader in the coalition. Mm -hmm. um, she's been on city council. This is, I think, maybe her second term. Mm -hmm. um, but they both ran because of their, you know, their desire to be leaders in their community and yeah. to to represent the Glens. Um, they felt that the Glens wasn't being represented. 
it's a real it's a real honor to and it's a real gift to work here and be a listener you know and just it's I mean it's just the beauty of like of what can happen when you can create a space because that's that's really all we're doing you know we're kind of creating a space allowing you know voices to kind of come together and then like trying to trying to steer some resources towards that so that they can you know make what they want to make and it it's a good thing um it's a really good thing and i i think i don't know i'm i tend to be kind of idealistic and and also sometimes naive but um you know in terms of like having hope for humanity, community, society, it's like if there's ever going to be an approach that that can really have an impact that benefits everybody, like mutually beneficial solutions, it's going to be listening to everybody and, and trying to, you know, build on what you can all agree on. And it's got to be place-based and it's got to be relational and it's got to be you know, with, with people's hearts at the center of it. And, you know, no matter what the community is and what their, their needs are, their goals. While driving, I asked Crystal, how should I describe the Glens on the podcast? What clarifying words should I use to describe it? Um, what would be some statistics on that front? It's a, and it's a really high rate of home ownership here. There's 63% homeowners. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I would, I would say it's, you know, it's a neighborhood that makes up um, about a third of the population of Decono that's um, been here since the 60s and 70s. And it's primarily manufactured homes, um, but I always make sure to include the fact that there's a really high home ownership rate and... When it's um, called uh, manufactured homes, is that is that it's a, referring to trailer homes? Mm-hmm. Okay, and... But I think because of the perception or the, um, you know, the, well, things the ideas that, that come mm-hmm. along with when you speak about mobile homes or trailers or um, communities, there's, um, it's, it's not a favorable connotation to a community and, mm-hmm. and people, um, that's helpful for me to know. Are of, extremely of, proud of, of this being their home, and they're very invested. Um, most of the people that I've interacted with, and so, but they'll tell you, you know, that people think it's, they call it a trailer park, or they think it's a trailer park, but they're they're adamant that, you know, no, this is their home, this is their neighborhood. So I mean, it's touchy because oh, I love this one. It's really unique. Because it, it really does, it impacts your, you know, your identity and your shared identity and, and what you belong to and um, you know, what sets this community apart from others in Decono or others in the Tritown area. There is a higher percentage of lower income households. There's a higher percentage of Hispanic, it's like 47% Hispanic. Um, as opposed to like 33 or so in Decono, and then like 23 in Colorado. <laughs> there's, 
there's a higher percentage of elderly folks that live here, and so there there is a more concentrated, you know, minority populations or populations that are, are underserved. And all of the brand new developments that are coming in are attracting folks that are are not from here. And you know, they're selling for four hundred thousand, you know, half a million dollars and yeah, you know, these guys are here. They've been here for generations. Mm. You know. We spoke of a lot of things while on my tour of the glens that I won't feature here, but it's worth mentioning. How new lights are going in in the parking lot where the Daylight Donuts is, thanks to the coalition and some grants. We drove by a well-known splash pad in the area that was created thanks to a 12-year-old girl who presented at city council several years ago after the pool closed. Our last stop was the berm right by that splash pad. Danny got out with us here and, and joined us as well. So this was the first like major project that the coalition took on. We got a grant in 2018, right before I came on from Wells Fargo to yeah, this landscape this. The berm was one of the things that we, one of the first things that we did also in conjunction with the berm. Oh. You know, flowers in there. That's really I think, neat. I think they, they uh, pulled uh, the secretaries out of here. It looks better. I know. There was a Russian olive oil on right It's a beautiful shaded area with some crabapple trees and then this like rocky berm that they've built up and put plants in, well mulched. It's beautiful. Some benches you can sit at. Peaceful area, so close to some picnic benches and the splash pad. This, this is our home. Yes. This is my home. And the people that live here. And we want to treat it accordingly. Friends, thank you for joining me today in Dakono. When it comes to this show, I feel like I talk a lot about community, but it's people like Danny and Crystal, the Pride of the Glens Coalition, they're the ones that are creating community, right in the place where they live and work and play. One project, one relationship, one shared meal, one remodeled intersection at a time. I'm convinced that the way that we build social fabric of our American culture isn't through debate or building silos or waging war against those who disagree with you. Far from it. I believe the way going forward it looks more like this. Asking, what's great about the place that you're in? What's at the heart? What are the strengths? Who are the people here? And it's by those steps forward, daily, mundane tasks of making a community better, that's how a true sense of belonging is created. Friends, I began season four of Weld Found with a story. It occurred to me one day, stepping out of my home, the house on my left had a Joe Biden bumper sticker and an environmental issue yard sign 
The house on my literal left leans, an ideological left for sure. Then I looked to my right at my neighbor's Blue Lives Matter flag on his truck. The house on my right leans an ideological right. I live between two distinctive mindsets of our country. It's really evident to me that our political divide, our value divide in America, isn't just state by state or rural versus urban, it's door to door. So what does it mean to build community with those right next to us, side by side? And I put forward in episode one, I'd be knocking on doors. I'd love to hear from people in my neighborhood how they approach community, and I'd start by making the short trip across my yard to the right and to the left. Then on episode two, I did. I interviewed Dr. Bennett Edgerly, a psychiatrist at Red Mountain in Greeley. Bennett is an inspiring neighbor and really works hard to get to know all of us on the block and to connect us. I don't think I'd be doing this feature on community door-to-door had it not been for him starting all these connections. So now, as we're wrapping up season four, we're ending things by going to the other side of my house. I want to introduce you to my neighbor on the right, Adam. He was kind enough to let me do an interview with him this past week. His daughter, Aspen, you can hear her chiming in with answers every now and then. And then you can hear my daughter, Harriet, and my son, Arlo, uh, talking in the background some. There was a crew playing in the cul-de-sac, for sure. We started by talking about Adam's Halloween decorations, which are the best on the block by far. Then I got to hear a little bit more about Adam, where he grew up, and what this neighborhood and community means to him. But when we first moved in, you had a graveyard here. And so would you uh, read some of the names of, uh, of the graveyards you've got here? So we got Emma Goner <laughs> and Anita Shovel. Uh-huh. We got uh, Crispy Bacon. Yeah, <laughs> Crispy Bacon. I thought that was my favorite one. Back and the... I'll Be Back. Okay. <laughs> ba- bury Him Deep. Oh, yeah, and Bury Him oh. Deep. That's oh. right. And when we first started out, yeah. it was a lot smaller. Mm-hmm. And then we, we've expanded a little bit more each year. And then last year... The lady that lived a couple houses down, she gave us all of her skeletons when she moved out. Yeah, how many skeletons are there? 20, <laughs> 18 or 20, I believe. Oh, man. And so we decided this That's year we're going to go all out with it as much as we could. And yeah. then I'm hoping that right before Halloween, I'm going to change it all up as far as the skeletons and yeah. try to do something cool with all the skeletons right before Halloween. That's awesome. And eventually, we want to do a walk-through haunted house through the backyard because yeah. we have a gate on both sides of the house. Perfect. Yeah. So we want to be able to set up a walk-through haunted house. Oh man, that'd be perfect for trick-or-treaters. Yep. Yeah, and just easily just kind of get them on a route. How many scary things do you have? Oh man, that'd be great. I might do it or not. <laughs> right now, not. I get scared easily. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we... That's a great idea. The holidays are the best, honestly. We love decorating for Halloween, yeah. for Christmas. You know, you get all the people that come and walk around looking at all the lights and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's, it's just cool to put out something for other people to enjoy. On any given weekend, 
We'll often see Adam working in his garage or in the driveway, not working on his own car, but doing fixes for friends and family. He's constantly helping out on this front. And you're an incredible mechanic. Like I haven't uh, hit you up yet for like real help yet, <laughs> but it's coming, man. Yeah, I, t I tend to do anything I can. You know, when it comes yeah. to like stuff, you got to use a computer for. Yeah. I don't yeah. get into that type of stuff, but yeah. any of your general maintenance, you know, yeah. wheel bearings, ball joints, all your wear and tear type of stuff. Yeah. I know how to do. I mean, yeah. I was between me and one other guy. We were. Uh, heavy diesel mechanics for a fleet of 29 trucks at the trash company where I work. Okay. So yeah. I got my hands dirty a lot. <laughs> yeah. And before that even, I mean, my mom ran a paper route when I was young mm -hmm. and my stepdad was a mechanic for United Airlines. Okay. And so we did all of our own mechanics as well. So, I mean, I was changing brakes at eight years old. Yeah. So it was, That's he, awesome. he definitely taught me everything I know. Yeah. And now you know you just take that and keep moving forward adam is constantly doing cool building projects and working with his hands there's a big tree house in the backyard a newly built chicken coop he talked about a hutch he just built for his wife stephanie originally from a small farm east of johnstown adam and his family moved into our cul-de-sac a few years before we did I mean, it's definitely nice being part of this neighborhood right here. You know, we got a nice, quiet community, a good group of neighbors right here. And being the first young couple that moved into the neighborhood with kids where everyone around us was elderly, it's been a tremendous change over the last four years, I guess it is, that we've lived here of everybody else that's moved out and in. And it's awesome to have kids all around that are of the, about the ages of our kids and they can all come out here and play whenever they want. Generally, we don't have to worry about traffic zipping back here. And it's really nice, you know, when you're outside and one of your neighbors is like, hey, come give me a hand with this or you can be do the same, you know, and all of us kind of, hey, you got this tool or hey, can you come give me a hand with this or whatever it is. You know, it's nice just to have good neighbors like that and not ones that are just to themselves, don't want anything to do with you. You know, in a pinch, you guys came, you guys have came and asked us for sugar and just random things like that. You Always know? eggs now. And so <laughs> we've gotten so many eggs from you guys in the last it, few weeks. Honestly, yeah. it's great to have a nice little community within our community. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. When over uh, Christmas, you guys made the signs for everybody with the with the snowman. Yeah, I was, I was like, that's that's awesome because it was all of our names on there. Right. It was like it was like we know each other so well that we're giving gifts with our family names and and that you guys are so thoughtful to do that. Yeah, it's it's just a nice gesture and you know a little bit of kindness goes a long ways. Yeah, it really does. Is the fact that as a block. We come from all different backgrounds, and and like during election season, we'll see different signs up. Oh yeah, and uh, and like I appreciate that. I, I like that there's so much difference, and then at the same time we can respect each other and still get along. And still get along. Absolutely, yeah. you know, especially with 
all the hatred and segregation and everything that's going on in our world right now. You know, you get so many people that you support Trump, I hate you. You support Biden, I hate you. Everybody has their own opinions. We have that right to have our own opinions, you know? And just because we have different views doesn't mean that our kids still can't play. We can't get along. We can't be civil with each other and be good neighbors. There's no reason to have hatred just because I have a different belief than maybe you do or whatever it might be. Yeah. No reason for that. I've loved how that's played out on our block. Like, cause you, you see stuff in media, in news channels, and it's like, they hype it up so much. It's like, oh, there's no way we could ever get along. Right. <laughs> and then, and then like, you like start wearing a black side. It's like, no, they have their reasons. We have our reasons and you can, you can hash those things out civilly. But for the most part, we're living together and, and just trying to make this block a good place. Exactly. And a gr- great experience to have We got to see each other almost on a day to day basis. I see you guys going on your morning walk or mm-hmm. what, whatever, you know? Yeah. We, we can't be like that. There's Especially, you know, if it came down to a time of need and you really needed to have each other's back, you know, we should all be somewhat here for each other within reason, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Huge thanks to Adam for letting me stop by and ask a few questions about belonging and community. And thank you to Danny and Crystal and the Pride of the Glens Collaborative. What a tour that was today. As usual, thank you to Dave Farrell, professor at Ames Community College, for sound engineering and mixing and mastering on this episode. This program is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation. Be on the lookout for our new series, When Water Flows Uphill, releasing soon. We'll be following Wes Bruce and his immersive art installation, going in at the new downtown library. This project is happening because of a partnership with the foundation and the library. Again, don't forget to rate us. Again, don't forget to rate us, share us with a friend, and thanks for listening to Weld Found.